You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Thursday, January 18th. And right before we went live, I realized I had scheduled this for 9 p.m., but it's 9 a.m. mountain time. So sorry for the confusion if any of you were confused. But guys, we're just days away from the 49ers playing their first playoff game of the 2023-2024 season. And joining me to talk all about it, because boy, is there plenty to talk about today, is Rob Stats Guerrera. Rob, how you doing, man? Oh, Steph, we're so close to a playoff game. I could taste it. I thank God they're playing on Saturday. Like, I couldn't wait another day. <laughs> Yeah, and, and for several reasons, Saturday, of course, is the, the better day of the two for the 49ers to be playing. Um, but, you know, we always start this show with a little ode to some 49ers history. And like always, we're going to start it this week in 49ers history. Ooh. You got to know where I was going with this, Rob. You had to know. January 13th, 2013. 49ers host the Green Bay Packers in the NFC divisional round. 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick ran for a quarterback record 181 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and passed for 263 yards and two passing touchdowns in the uh, 45 to 31 win over the Aaron Rodgers Packers. <laughs> One of the single greatest playoff performances in the history of the National Football League. That's exactly what I was going to say. And, and I would even say, like, not even maybe just playoffs, like maybe ever. Like yes. One of the best I've ever I've ever witnessed myself. It's definitely up there, along with, like, some Steph Curry performances and, you know, maybe some Clay Thompson, Kobe Bryant, you know. But this was... This was incredible. Like, dude was a gazelle out there. And I, when I watched the clips, I'm as equally amazed as I was that very day by how fast he is. Like, he was being chased. No one, no one can touch. He was running past dudes left and right. Josh Allen had that 52-yard touchdown run last weekend. It was the second longest touchdown run by a quarterback ever. You know who has the first? That guy, Colin Kaepernick. In that game, it was stunning how much he destroyed that Green Bay Packers defense. And Steph, pop quiz. Do you know how that game began? Uh, Didn't he throw an interception kind of early in that one? He threw a pick six early. I think it was his first pass of the game. He throws a pick six, which is completely forgotten, which, by the way, is going to be if Brock Purdy throws a pick early, that's the game I'm going to go back to. Like, hey, we've seen this before from a 49ers quarterback at home. But that performance by Kaepernick was Utterly unbelievable. Like people, that was his, I think it was his eighth start ever of his career. And after that game, people are like, oh my God, like, what are we watching here? We had never seen a quarterback do that. Most rushing yards by a game from a quarterback in NFL history. It was a masterpiece by Kaepernick. It was, it it was awesome. And it was Part of the reason that in in recent history, at least against the Packers, we have so many great memories. Packers fans maybe do not. And yeah, there's a long history between these two storied franchises uh, and that it seems that each era has kind of owned uh, or each team has owned an era of of this uh, 
I guess, rivalry, you can say. 49ers and Packers have met a total of 72 times with Green Bay holding a 38-31-1 to record. Um, Of those 72 games, nine of them were in the playoffs, and 49ers are 5-4 and in those matchups, which includes, you know, domination in recent years. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's 49ers are 4-0 in the team's last four playoff meetings with the Green Bay Packers. And this current era now has become a question of, can Matt LaFleur ever beat his superior in Kyle Shanahan? Can the student beat the teacher? Um, It's a tale as old as time. It does sort of feel like a Jedi Master Padawan situation. If you go back and you listen to the Play Callers podcast series that The Athletic put out over the summer, listen to the way... Jason, but... Listen to the way LaFleur talks about Kyle Shanahan. He talks about Kyle Shanahan. He's very deferential to Kyle. And look, maybe he's just being nice, whatever. But he doesn't seem to have the same chip on his shoulder that Mike McDaniel has, that I think Sean McVay has, some of the other guys from this coaching tree. And I think he is an imitation of Kyle. He may be one of the best, but he ain't Kyle. Yeah, I mean... That's a perfect way to put it. And and Kyle Shanahan has spoiled even the end of Aaron Rodgers' career. You can make the argument that, you know, Shanahan is at least part of the reason that Rodgers left Green Bay. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. I, I know that part of the reason is, you know, the Packers never drafted receivers for Aaron Rodgers. But had they won those games against the 49ers, they'd probably feel a lot better about what they were doing and what they were building. And Aaron Rodgers probably wouldn't have been as pissed off uh but what was impressive about it is that the Packers had the better offense the better quarterback in every single one of those matchups but this time it's different you know they have a new look offense Jordan Love a ton of new young players they're just happy to be here like that's what we keep hearing that's what we keep saying um but blowing out the number two seed Dallas Cowboys in the first round you know yeah you know, so it, I, what I think is happening, though, because of that, I think it's giving them, their fans, maybe even some media heads, some false confidence now because they're talking crazy. Like some of the things that I'm, I'm seeing them say, and and it's not just players; it's it's uh, the talking heads, most notably, of course, uh, <laughs> the I'm most sure. egregious one, uh, former Packers tight end. Now ESPN Milwaukee radio hosts, Mike Shurma. Mark Shurma. Okay. I have a hard time with last names. Um, but if you haven't seen it or heard it, I'm sure most, most of you had, but here's what he had to say. And the reason we won in 95 when no one gave us a chance in San Francisco is because we intimidated them. I mean, if you, and I always revert to Wayne Simmons, Wayne Simmons kicked the crap out of Brent Jones. And then it got contagious, and then it carried over. That's why you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Well, we already thought uh, that, so go ahead. A 15-yard penalty, and I don't condone this, but I kind of do in the playoffs. <laughs> um, a 15-yard penalty for a late hit on Brock Purdy is not a bad thing, as long as it's worth it. As long as you hurt him enough, right? This is essentially what he's saying there, which is... yeah. That is the worst. Like, that, who even says that? Like, I understand he comes from a different era of football when, like, maybe, I mean, I don't know. It was definitely more physical. The the flags weren't really a thing back then. 
I'm sure that was the mindset for a lot of players. But don't say that shit out loud. Do not say that shit out loud. That's so, like, it, it's disgusting, honestly. Um, I, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on it, Rob? Well, the more I hear it, the more I just think, like, dude, if that's your strategy, you're desperate. If your only plan is we need to break the rules and hit them illegally, then you don't think you can win. And this is two years in a row now where the 49ers playoff opponent has said they need to injure one of their players. Last year, the Cowboys, uh, some Cowboys broadcasters said it about Christian McCaffrey. Now we've got it with Mark Chimura this year talking about Brock Purdy. If your plan of attack is, well, if we don't give him a cheap shot, we can't stop him, then you're screwed. And guess what, Green Bay? I think you are. <laughs> yeah, I I really think they're projecting a little bit here. And if that's the only way you can intimidate another team, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're probably already on the losing end of this. And it's it's not just the media and, and what they're saying. Um, you know, that clearly was just, you know, one single guy that I don't think he really echoes what other people are saying. A lot of people actually wholeheartedly disagree with what he said. Uh, but Packers defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt, he's a second-year player for Green Bay, had some stuff to say about Brock Purdy and how to defend against him and stuff he probably should have kept to himself. He said, quote, when D-linemen just get pressure into him, he's always throwing off or it's behind them or it's overthrown or short. There will be a lot of picks and stuff like that. So when you get pressure on him, it's a guarantee we'll get a turnover. End quote. What? What what film are you watching, buddy? Like, are you are you only watching the Baltimore Ravens film? Because I got news for you. You aren't them. And <laughs> if you if you go into this game trying to replicate that game plan, I don't even think it's gonna work because you you simply do not have the personnel to get it done. And again, they might feel real great about themselves because they just beat Dak Prescott and they made him pee down his leg. But this is a different team. This is a different quarterback entirely. And you're not going to be able to intimidate Brock Purdy or pressure him into picks because you aren't the Ravens. You aren't the Browns. And I I mean, I don't know. I hope Brock Purdy got a hold of this quote because I hope it, it gives him some extra juice for this game. First of all, it's flat out incorrect. Number one, the yes. Packers as a team had seven interceptions all season long. Okay. So you're not getting turnovers. Second of all, you know who leads the NFL this season in passer rating under pressure? Brock freaking Purdy. Brock Purdy does. Since week 10, he's number one in yards per attempt and number one in completion rate when under pressure. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what film Devontae Wyatt is watching, but it's not the 49ers because it's just simply incorrect. It's not true. Yeah, passer rating of 103.5 over the last 10 weeks when under pressure. That is the highest in the NFL in that span. And yeah, Dante Widner had some things to say too. The Packers front office coaches and players can't be pleased uh, with his comments. Your boy wrote a check that your ass can't cash. (laughs) Basically, uh, what we're saying here as well, I mean, it's just crazy. And John Daigle had this tweet opposing quarterbacks, Nick Mullins, Jaron Hall, Justin Fields, playoff Dak Prescott under pressure against Green Bay. The last three games were a combined 18 of 37. Uh, that's a completion percentage of 48.6%, 202 yards, 
5.4 YPA, two touchdowns, combined 26 in EPA per play. That's bad, right? Like, I mean, you know, they they did a good job limiting those quarterbacks while they were under pressure. We're also talking about Nick Mullins, Jaron Hall, Justin Fields, and playoff Dak Prescott here. Let's not get it twisted. And by the way, Brock Purdy under pressure this year has a 53.6 completion percentage. Eight yards per attempt, that's third in the NFL. 11 touchdowns, third in the NFL. And .15 EPA per play, that is fifth in the NFL. So, man, I don't, I don't, again, false confidence. I don't know where they're getting this from. Uh, I, I saw some people say this has to be something that coaches are are feeding them and they're kind of just regurgitating the same what they're hearing in meetings and things like that so if that's something that the Packers coaches feel the defensive coaches feel about Brock Purdy I feel even better about this game quite frankly can I throw up a slide yes okay allow me to throw up a slide here's the list of quarterbacks that the Packers have beaten this year Justin Fields, Derek Carr, Brett Rippon on the Rams, Justin Herbert, Bryce Young, Nick Mullins, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, and of course, Dak Prescott in the playoffs. That's how the Packers went nine and eight. One game over 500 this year. These are the quarterbacks they have beaten. Give me a break. I don't want to hear trash talk from the Packers defense. The same Packers defense that Tommy Cutlets diced up at the end of the game. Like, give me a break. Those are the quarterbacks you've beaten this year. You're not playing them this week, okay? You're not playing some scrub team. You're not playing the Dallas Cowboys who always pee down their legs in the playoffs. And I love the fact. I love the fact. Exactly. Just what Pern said. Niners haven't said shit. They're just going to be quiet. And they're going to come out. And I think they are going to punch the Packers in the face. The Packers in this group, the youngest team in the NFL, have not really played a playoff game that's going to have the intensity that the 49ers will have. You can talk about the Cowboys. The Cowboys are soft. As soon as the Packers went down the field on the first drive and scored that touchdown, the Cowboys puckered up. And they they said, please don't hurt us. The Niners aren't going to do that, okay? You're going to see a level in this game that all those young players have not seen yet in the league. And I think the Niners are going to smash them. Yeah, I mean, as the 49ers always do, it's business as usual for them. I mean, they they are always very flattering of their, you know, opponents leading up to the game. They don't really give a lot of bulletin material. You know, they may say some things like after the fact, yeah, we gave them the blueprint and all that. But you can talk after the game. You can talk after the game. And that's okay because, you know, you, you backed up what you probably thought going into it. But if you're saying things out loud, again, kind of like Whitner said, you're – you're writing the check that your ass can't ca- cash. So that's dangerous. Playing with fire. And by the way, here's another little stat about uh, quarterbacks under pressure. These two here, uh, Brock Purdy, yards per attempt, 8.7 under pressure this season. Jordan Love, 8.0. Jordan Love has had a, a great year, but like if we're talking about pressure here, Brock Purdy has been better. It's so weird to me that how like people are, there's two sides to every argument, right? Yet people are taking all the positive sides for the Packers argument and saying, yeah. oh, wow, the 49ers should be worried, right? Perfect example. Oh, 
The Packers have been playing for their playoff lives for two months. The 49ers are going to be rusty. And it's like, okay, <laughs> but if the 49ers didn't get the number one seed, they would say, oh, the 49ers haven't had rest in a really long time. Can they keep this up? They're going to be exhausted. They've been playing for their playoff lives every single week. It's like, well, what? why aren't we saying it about the Packers? The 49ers, when they have been rested, have been kicking the teeth out of people when they are rested. And yet they're fully rested. They got the best injury report I could ever remember a Kyle Shanahan 49ers team getting yesterday. There was one dude on it that didn't practice, Cleveland Farrell. Everybody else practiced. One guy, except for, of course, Hufongo, but we know he's out. But that's it. Armstead full go, Odom full go, Jair Brown full go, Feliciano, Gibson, Ambry Thomas, Dre Greenlaw we know is going to play. Yet people are, are knocking the 49ers. They're somehow turning that into something to be scared about. It's like, I just, I don't understand this. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, some people are calling this the Benkert Bowl because former 49ers and Packers quarterback Kurt Benkert, who is uh, more of an analyst these days on his YouTube channel, um, cool. YouTube. You know, had some things. Yeah. He, awesome. YouTube. He puts out some like film breakdowns, all that stuff. He's actually been a huge fan of Brock this year, very much uh pro Purdy. Um, but obviously having ties to the Packers, he's loved what Jordan love is doing as well. And, and what the Packers offense are doing. So he's bit been in a bit of a bind this week and he joined Kay Adams on the up and Adams show yesterday and he favored the Packers in this one. He said LaFleur has the advantage over Shanahan. He said the Packers have been playing more meaningful football uh, because he cites they've been playing they playoff. Like, here. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, you know, the league, this league is very like recency biased, uh, you know, heavy. So they've been playing more meaningful football, do or die games for the past month than the 49ers have. He said it's been like, like a month since the 49ers played a meaningful game uh, while also saying that the Packers have nothing to lose. Well, I thought they were playing do or die games for the past month and yet they have nothing <laughs> to lose. So make it make sense. Uh, but he says that's what makes them dangerous that they're, they're playing like they have nothing to lose. So one, he, he contradicted himself. And, and two, I, I simply am just like floored by him saying that LaFleur has the advantage in this one, just because the 49ers have the the rest are going to be rusty do we not pay attention to like week one games or like oh. you know things like that like i guess we don't we don't do that anymore it's or like games coming out of the bye week we don't we don't do that anymore the 49ers you know put a beating on the jaguars but you know everyone wants to ignore that and also this team has been here before i think they kind of know what to expect in a playoff game had this been a young team or an inexperienced team and they went this long without playing meaningful games sure like maybe i'd be worried then but this is a team that has been here before packers maybe act like you have why isn't anybody saying all this stuff about the texans playing the ravens the other number one seed the other team that rested right the, the texans certainly have a great young quarterback he's been he's been awesome he's in his first year as a starter i don't hear anybody saying Watch out, Ravens. You rested your guy. No one is saying that. Yet with the Packers and the 49ers, because the Packers beat the Cowboys, 
They have all this hype. It's, oh my God, forget anything that happened with the Packers early in the season. That doesn't count. But when you want to knock the 49ers, you go back to week eight, right? You go back to early in the season when they had the three-game losing streak. Or you talk about Christmas, the Christmas night game against the Ravens, arguably the other best team in the league. That's it. But none of Jordan Love's bad games count. None of his interceptions count. It boggles my mind. And here's the other thing I keep hearing about, right? Oh, he's got 22 touchdowns and one interception in his last 10 games, right? That's cool. Do you know what the Packers turnover differential is for the season? Zero. Just as many turnovers as takeaways. Even with Jordan Love only throwing one interception in his last 10 games, the Packers turnover ratio is zero. So I just, I'm stunned that they are getting this much hype when the 49ers have been really good all year, except for three games, one of which the kicker missed a gimme field goal on basically the final play of the game. Yet everyone says the 49ers should be shaking in their boots. You know what I think it is, Rob? I, I think people have forgotten how good the 49ers are. One, because of like the recency bias thing. And it has been a while since the 49ers did play a meaningful game. And a lot of people who aren't, noted 49er fans who don't watch every single team I don't want to call them casuals but you know most of them being casuals uh, you know the last game they saw the 49ers play was probably that Ravens game because it was on prime time and so everyone saw the 49ers look bad in that game that's the last memory they have most of them have of the 49ers despite them you know playing well after that and clinching the number one seed so I think it's just people simply forgetting <laughs> the 49ers are a really good football team and they haven't stopped being that team. And in fact, they're even healthier now than they were then. I think they're going to be reminded on Saturday just how good this team is. And by the way, Kurt Benkert's keys of the game for San Francisco, he said it was pass rush. For Green Bay, Aaron Jones. I got news. I got more news for you, buddy. If Aaron Jones is the Packers' key to this game, again, you're in trouble because the 49ers' game plan is exactly that to stop the Packers' run game. And I think they're going to have a lot of success with it. One, because they've faced Aaron Jones in the past, you know, uh, in those previous playoff games, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers era, all that. They've done a pretty good job of stopping Aaron Jones. Also, I mean, Steve Wilkes talked about that's pretty much their focus this week. And I, I would love to see, uh, you know, Jordan Love throw the ball a number of times. Hell, he'll make some really nice throws. But if they don't have that balance, I don't see them really being able to hang with the 49ers for a full four quarters. Aaron Jones has played well the last four games. He's got over 100 yards. The 49ers haven't allowed a 100-yard uh, rusher in a really long time. I think it's been like 50 games, something like that. They haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher. And last I remind people, let's say Aaron Jones does go off. The Arizona Cardinals ran for 234 yards against the 49ers in week 15 and lost by 16 points. So again, I'm, I'm stunned that people are coming up with this hype. It's like, even if the Packers do run the ball well, they could still lose. And by the way, Green Bay has had a team run for more than 200 on them four times this year. So even if Jordan Love makes a lot of good throws, and maybe he will, how are the Packers going to stop the 49ers? If the 49ers don't turn the ball over, they're not going to lose. They just 
won't. That's the only time they have been stopped. And the only time they have lost this year, Steph, is when they have turned the ball over. Every other time they move the ball right down the field. And we we talked about look they they've had a bad um defense run defense this entire season that's been their Achilles heel these last 3 4 games they've done a good job a better job of stopping the run but again I'm going to go back to the teams that they played in that span the Vikings who who's their running back right now uh I, I don't even exactly, know <laughs> Exactly uh Justin Fields who is their <laughs> who is their running back um and Dak Prescott and uh, Tony Pollard you know he's a good running back but you know Tony Pollard also not Christian McCaffrey um can I can we go back because I want to dive into something you just said yeah I've seen a lot of Packers people say this too that the 49ers don't have a good run defense can you explain that to me because they gave up the third fewest rushing yards per game in the league well, I mean, they look at recent games. They look at games where Eric Armstead wasn't there. We we know that it's an entirely different run defense when Eric Armstead is in there. And so that's like what we're going to expect in the playoffs. And also, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I'm not worried about the, the rushing defense in this game. Also, you got to remember Javon Hargrave missed a game as well. And so that kind of inflated the, you know, last few games and the numbers we were given up on the ground but yeah third third best run defense in the last three 49ers still within the top 10 so it's hoopla I yeah I'm stunned that a lot of Packers people are like oh this is not a good run defense and I think a lot of people are worried about the 49ers defense in general and it's like they gave up 30 points in only two games all year and when you go back and you actually watch the games so many of those opponent touchdown drives are set up by turnovers by the 49ers. I'm stunned that people are are like this worried about it. Again, I, would they give up the third fewest points per game this year? Like, I, I think that we have in our head that D'Amico Ryan's teams like never gave up any points ever and made everybody go, everybody goes three and out every time. And it's like, yeah, okay. It might not always look like that with Steve Wilkes, but I, I just, I don't think it's as bad as people are thinking. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, let's go back to the uh, quarterbacks really quick. We have a, you know, first year playoff starter in Jordan Love. And we have Brock Purdy, who's young quarterback, but he's in his second stint in the playoffs. What are you kind of expecting out of Brock in his second stint here? I think he's going to dice him up. I really do. I think he's going to light it up. I think Kyle's going to dial it up, first of all. And I think Brock is just going to go out and just, hit wide open guys all game and do what Brock Purdy does. Like, I'm not worried about him, you know, like with Jimmy, I didn't know what the hell we were going to get. I, I think that Brock is, he's the more experienced playoff quarterback, even though he's younger than Jordan love. I expect him to go out and do generally what he has done pretty much since he became the starter. Yeah. And Brock Purdy, you know, talked about the differences uh, entering the playoffs between last season and this year. You know, obviously he talks about the fact he was still really trying to learn the system, get familiar with it and, you know, figuring out who he is as a quarterback as well in the NFL, um, still trying to find his way. And, you know, now he's more familiar with the system, you know, the players that he has. And he also talks about looking back on those games from last season and kind of remembering 
what it felt like to be in those games. So I think from a mental standpoint, he's kind of like gearing up to get in that mode again as well. I'm really confident in Brock Purdy. I think all throughout the year, he's shown us how much growth uh, like he's had, you know, and, and that's without him even having an off season. I think about just some of the things that he was doing last year, you know, rolling to his left anytime he wouldn't find someone open, you know, like yep. he was doing that early. Like he had some uh, trends, I would say that, you know, oh, defenses yeah. could pick up on. And like this year, you don't really see that he's way more poised in the pocket, even than he was last year. And he was already pretty freaking poised. Uh, but I think also he's getting better at not trying to force things. Um, I think that was something he mentioned too in his interview with Steve Young um, that the 49ers have on their YouTube. I mean, he, he mentioned he's, he's still trying to get a feel for that, right? Like trying to just take what the defense gives him. It's okay to do a check down. You got to just protect the ball kind of thing. So I think we're going to get a smarter, you know, Brock Purdy in these playoffs. And I'm very confident in him and, and what he's going to do. And I think he is going to have a good game against the Packers. If he needs to be eased in because he hasn't played for, you know, a while. Okay. Do that for him. I'm sure Kyle will do that. But, you know, I don't, I really think he's going to be able to dice this team up. Like you said. If Brock Purdy has shown us anything, it's that he doesn't need to be eased in, right? I mean, he comes in against the Dolphins, lets it rip. First start against Tampa yeah. Bay, lets it rip. He has not been a slow starter. I, I'm fascinated by the Jordan Love-Brock Purdy comparison. Jordan Love this year had 11 interceptions. How many interceptions did Brock Purdy have this year? 11. Yet I feel like people are acting like Brock Purdy, watch out, he's a turnover machine. It's not. He had the one bad turnover game against Baltimore. But other than that, he hasn't been this turnover machine. And I know that Jordan Love has done a good job protecting the ball, too. But the vibe I get going into this game is that, oh, watch out, Brock Purdy turnovers. People are saying that because that's the only thing that stops the 49ers is just that. That is it. So I'm I'm not worried about Brock at all. No way. Yeah, people are people really trying to, like, rewrite history or like redefine what the Packers are and what the 49ers are all of a sudden, but we're going to find out. We're going to find out on Saturday who these two teams are. And I think, you know, us 49er fans, we, we kind of already know the answer, but uh, we'll let it play out. Um, look, uh, offensive line coach, Chris Forrester spoke with the media yesterday he he made it seem like the the plan is to rotate uh, right guard, uh, you know, going forward between John Policiano and Spencer Burford. Look, we're not a stranger to this. We've seen this in the past. I mean, Brunskill and Burford last season, you know, rotated. Uh, it seemed like they wanted to give Burford a chance, and any time that he wasn't perfect, it's like, okay, let's just put Daniel Brunskill in there. You, you're kind of seeing the same thing now. Um, why? Why do you think they they want to continue this rotation though? Like, why don't they just roll with Feliciano the rest of the way? I don't get it either, to be honest with you. I think maybe Burford's better in the run, and maybe Feliciano is better at pass protection. I don't know. So you're gonna I like. Uh, one snap, you know, one goes in, rotate them out. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand the whole rotation. Just get a better right guard. How about that? Like 
how about we just have a guy that's good enough to play every damn snap? I mean, obviously there's nothing they could do about it this year, but it's a weird thing. The 49ers offensive line outside of Trent Williams is definitely fair to call into question. Like it just is. So if that's the one thing that I've heard from Packers fans that I agree with, like, Hey, maybe you can get pressure on Brock Purdy because it's not a great offensive line outside of 71, but we have also seen this year. It hasn't really come into play most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's really interesting. Ideally you wouldn't want to still be doing this like in the playoffs, but if they feel like it gives them some sort of advantage, I guess, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, Forrester just sounded very unsure about who he, who he was going to roll with. And I, that doesn't strike me as a good thing, but just something to keep an eye on uh, on Saturday. The good thing is, as far as continuity goes with the offensive line, it seems like Trent Williams is going to be returning next season. He left zero doubt. He said 100% he's going to be here next year. And for those of you like that weren't aware, I mean, all of this kind of like retirement talk around Trent Williams kind of began after the end of last year because after the loss against Philly, he seemed very uncertain about his future in the NFL. And I know the emotions of, you know, having just lost a game could have contributed, of course, to him, you know, giving that answer. But that's pretty much what started uh, the, I guess, the worry of Trent Williams, like every single season contemplating retirement. But it seems like he has unfinished business, of course, not only just wanting to get a Super Bowl, he wants to uh, get the record for, most Pro Bowls for a tackle, and also he wants to um, uh, play into his 40s, he said. So, man, Trent Williams, who signed through 2026 with the 49ers, uh, rest assured that you know he's going to be a part of this team going forward, and that's huge. That's huge for this team. It's certainly huge for next year, although I will say, like, if the 49ers happen to win the Super Bowl, he may feel a lot different. Like he's not, he doesn't know how he's going to feel when they win the Super Bowl. He may be like, you know what? I'm still relatively healthy. I mean, we're talking about a guy that had a cancer scare who's overcome some real adversity in his career. Obviously, I hope he comes back, not only because this offensive line really needs him, but also because you would assume the 49ers are going to draft his replacement this year. This is an, a draft that is full of offensive linemen. It's a clear need for the 49ers. They have more picks. So they're going to have more opportunities to do so. And I love the idea of drafting Trent Williams replacement while Trent is still there and Trent can mentor this guy and help bring him along. That is like the perfect scenario for the 49ers. And then you have a left tackle dynasty, right? You have Joe Staley into Trent Williams, hopefully into whoever they draft to replace Trent Williams. That's the kind of continuity we want. That that would be an embarrassment of of riches if we just go from that to that. Everyone's always talking about how do the Packers end yes, up stumbling right. on all these quarterbacks back to back to back. Well, look at us with our left tackles. Uh, Rob, I, I think I would uh, jump off a balcony if the 49ers don't draft like a tackle this year <laughs> or just like the replace the eventual replacement because I'm with you. Like you have to start grooming that guy and who better to groom him than the man himself, the best left tackle in all of football, Trent Williams. So I would really love it. I think they do because, yeah, like you said, this is slated to be an offensive line heavy draft. So this is the time to do it. Um, 
And we know the 49ers love to develop their offensive linemen for, you know, a couple years before uh, feeling that they're ready. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm excited for the draft cycle, but topic for another day. But you know who else is staying? Mike McCarthy in Dallas. (laughs) The good news just keeps coming for the 49ers. When it rains, it pours. Like, who's upset about this? That's not like cowboy fans are upset about it, and everybody else is like, awesome. Yeah. Right? And Mac- I'm seeing some quotes from McCarthy. We've established a championship program. You have? What championships have you won? NFC East <laughs> championships, maybe. He said, I know how to win, and we'll get over that threshold. Hey, Mike, what are you waiting for? Feel free <laughs> to actually win if you know how it's done. Why the hell have you gotten your ass kicked in the playoffs again and again and again? And also, as someone tweeted out, you know, Jerry Jones, if if you have to put out a long-winded statement about why you're keeping Mike McCarthy, it probably wasn't a good idea to keep Mike McCarthy. Uh, but he's had regular season success, so I guess that counts for something uh, for, you know, Jerry Jones. And, yeah, for us 49er fans, we feel great about it. I know, mm-hmm. like, you know, Kyle Shanahan couldn't help but smirk a little bit when he said he started preparing for the Packers at halftime of their wild card game. I would too, honestly. And I would also laugh, but yeah, they're pretty much a running joke at this point. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens with Nick Sirianni as well, because, you know, the latest is that, you know, he's going to try to make his case to the owner and uh, I guess we'll see what happens, but there's a possibility of a shakeup in Philadelphia as well oh man rob uh what are your score predictions because you know i hope that going through the show and us talking about it hyping up the 49ers that you feel a little bit better about the matchup right sorry real quick i just saw this tweet from Josina anderson who says barring a snag in negotiations or future development i'm expecting belichick to become the next head coach of the falcons oh so hey that's big I mean, that's not right. I don't love that. Um, I'd be fascinated. Belichick's biggest problem is that they had no skill weapons in New England. And then if he goes to Atlanta, you've got B. John Robinson and Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Like, that would be fascinating. I know this is a Niners show, but I just saw that. And we were talking to coaches. I mean, yeah, they have a lot of uh, weapons that they just couldn't figure out how to freaking use Mm -hmm. or involve in their game plans. And you know, Bill, he's he's got a legit offense to work with now in Atlanta if, you know, that becomes official. So, you know, just something to monitor. Yeah, Heinz <laughs> says Jimmy G to the Falcons. <laughs> that would be great. Please, please let that happen. <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out, honestly, because Belichick may be like, dude, I'm trying to get the wins record. I don't want to develop a young quarterback. The Raiders, it seems like, could move on from Garoppolo. I know they'd have to eat a bunch of money. That would be fascinating. Yeah, it definitely would. <laughs> Something we'll we'll definitely have to monitor where Jimmy G goes this offseason. But Rob, score prediction, and are you a little more confident now, like that we've kind of gone through the motions of this show, hyping up the 49ers? So I have two playoff settings when it comes to games. Horribly anxious and wildly <laughs> overconfident. I started the week. No, in between. <laughs> no zero in between. I never go into a playoff game like, well, let's just see what happens. Uh, I started the week wildly overconfident. 
I've started to go to anxious. I've been I've been trying to do like a lot of Packers research and listening to a lot of Packers people. And I, I vacillate between, oh, man, maybe they have a point and what the hell are these people talking about? So I'm going to stick with wildly overconfident. I'll say 35-21 49ers. I do think the Packers are going to be able to make some plays because Jordan Love has arm talent and can make some throws. And I think that they are running the LaFleur system now, not the Aaron Rodgers system. And I think LaFleur does know how to put your defense in a blender and sort of learn some of your defensive rules. So the, the Packers will be able to do some stuff, but I just, I don't anticipate Green Bay being able to stop the 49ers unless the Niners turn it over. And I don't think they're going to do it. That's awesome, Rob, because my prediction has been 34-22, actually. <laughs> so very close, very, very close to yours. And so we probably have a similar thought as to what the Packers are going to do. One, I, I kind of been saying that I think they they make a last-ditch effort to put seven points up on the board. But much of the game, it'll be a wider margin um, for the 49ers. And yeah, I do expect Jordan Love to make plays. He's been awesome. Like the same things that we say about CJ Stroud and how awesome he's looked with the Texans. Like I'm keeping that same energy for Jordan Love because he's been making some really good plays and some throws that you simply cannot defend against. I mean, I've been really impressed. But anyway, just because of that, he's pretty much going to be the only guy who's going to have to carry the Packers, I think, on Saturday. And so I'm going to give him some credit, you know, so giving them the 22 points there and, and some of that being in garbage time. But, yeah, I think the 49ers get over 30 points and, you know, win this one pretty comfortably. I think they get an early lead. I think they set the tone early and then remind everyone who they are. And, <laughs> no, we are we are not that team that you can bully. And we, we have our eyes set on the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it should be a fun game. Uh Rob, I understand you have a a good show, good interview coming up. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Paul McCaffrey, formerly of KMBR, is going to be live on my channel, the Gold Standard Niners channel, uh at 9:30 Pacific time this morning. So, I'm super excited about it. I know that, you know, I haven't seen Paulie do a lot of things since uh things ended with KMBR, so we're going to talk about, you know, if what he wants to say about that whole situation and he's anxious to dive into Niners Packers. So I'm super excited. So please uh, join us 9 30 AM Pacific time on the gold standard 49ers podcast network, YouTube channel with Paulie McCaffrey. Yeah. And don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel, not just mine, but Rob's as well. Gold standard network. I am so close to getting my January goal of 2,900 subscribers. So hit that subscribe button. If you haven't yet really appreciate the love hit that notification bell. So, you know, when we go live, by the way, going live later tonight with uh, rich Madrid noted, uh, you know, film expert of the 49ers and Packers. So that should be an interesting show. That's going to be happening 6 p.m. Pacific. So make sure you guys tune into that. But for now, have a good rest of your Thursday, folks. Peace.